podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. Good to be back. And we figured it's been a couple of weeks since we dropped a show. So let's hit back with a bang. One of the heavyweights of the NFL UK scene. Our old friend, the brilliant, the effervescent J-Bell in the house. Let's go. So here we are, gang. The limousine is riding up. The red carpet is out. The guest list guy, he doesn't even need to check the clipboard. He's, already, he's lifting the rope. Oh. <laughs> and the entourage is wheeled straight in because Jay Bell is in the house, folks. Jay what Bell. is up, my brother? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I like that. You know, that's how, I, that's how it works for me when I roll up to the club. Like back in the day when I hit the club, it was just, you know, I was with somebody else famous, so I just got in. <laughs> you were wrong. Come on. It was all about Jay. I was thinking, every time we have you on, Jay, it's great to see you, man. Uh, you, of course, and rightly so, are introduced as NFL UK royalty, right? And I was talking to Ollie, the producer. We're looking at guests we've got coming up. Jay Bell's coming up soon. It's like, that is NFL UK royalty. And I thought, from now on, from now on, Jay Bell, when you're on the show, as NFL UK royalty, we're going to drop this. Yeah. That's the kind of, that's what I mean by NFL UK royalty. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Whenever you're on a show, we're dropping. You know what? That was also the intro music. Uh, for the Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> hey, I just I just watched a special on him too. You know, I grew up watching Macho Man Randy Savage, and I just realized what a nut he was and how amazing oh, I saw that entertaining yeah. he was. He was yeah, great. Was, uh, he was oh, great. Oh man. He he it wasn't an act, was it? I mean, he was Macho Man. He talked, yeah. you know, you'd think it was an act, like an act, and then you'd see him off you know, off the WWE cameras, and he's talking like this. <laughs> <laughs> that was who he was. The dude had real energy. You know, that's oh, the kind it. of guy you need on special teams when they used to have the wedge in the NFL, the four-man right. wedge, just to right. go down and blow up the wedge. That would have been his one job. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Macho Man Randy Savage would have had 30 special teams tackles on kickoff. Bill Belichick would have loved the Macho Man Randy Savage. I think we're clear on, on that one. What would your intro music be as a wrestler? What would J-Bell come out to? Oh, man, it'd have to be some kind of old-school hip-hop. Um, I'm thinking, you know, RIP to DMX, something with some serious energy like that, you know, that, nice. that would really get me going. You kind of mid nineties, you know, that's one of my favorite moments of working with you at OC was when you guys were talking and, and listeners out there, uh, I've said this before that doing the highlight show with these two, when I drop in and do that, the live shows with these guys that we've been doing for, for a number of years it's as much fun off camera as it is on, right? And I remember these guys just rocking, as you'd imagine, rocking backwards and forwards, just like you do on, on the pod, on your pod. And I think OC had dropped, I think OC had dropped the reference to you and you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're hitting it back. And I was like, oh, oh, mob deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we were so proud of you. Oh, we man. were so impressed. That was one of the proudest moments of my, of my life. You dropped the Shook Ones reference. You were like, how does that, how does that know that? Oh, that, that you was caught great. us so off guard with that. We, we weren't ready. We thought we had our inside flow. You came in there. You, you let us know, man. Uh, you stand above the clouds, my friend. Hey, bud, any mid-90s hip-hop reference, I'm in. I'm in with you. I'm old school. Old school like that. What about, the, the, I was thinking about that too, and the playlist when you were playing, right? The locker room playlist, the training playlist. Were you involved with that? Was J-Bell involved with that? Man, I didn't have that much authority at all. I was not <laughs> near that. Um, you know, we kind of, I would say the only time we had our playlist where you know, everybody was involved was in the weight room, right? We didn't have mm-hmm. in the locker room or on the practice field like they do now. But mm-hmm. in the weight room, it was it was a thing. And I just remember in Dallas, you know, Jerry would come in and work out with us at some time. Jerry come in, put his music he, on. Was that yeah? Awkward? Was that awkward, Jerry? No, nah, man. Jerry, Jerry's a Jerry's a player, man. You know, Jerry played college football, man. Mm-hmm. Jerry was a guy. You know, he was a locker room guy. Mm-hmm. But Larry Allen now. All pro Hall of Famer Larry Allen. Mm-hmm. I don't care who was in the locker room, Nat. Larry Allen was playing West Coast hip hop. No and way. it didn't even go off when Jerry Jones walked in the look like <laughs> Stayed on. Stayed on. I, I was and, and it was known when LA was in that that weight room, West Coast hip hop. And he used to call me West Coast because I'm from Long Beach. He was born in Long Beach. Boy, yeah. So, yep, he yeah, would yeah. call me West Coast. That was my name. I still don't think Larry Allen knows my real name. I'm just West Coast <laughs> to him. But I'm cool with that. I'm that, all right with that. That is a pretty cool nickname to take. So you just roll, roll with that. So he, Larry Allen would be dropping some Warren G. Jerry, Jerry Jones regulator would be on it. Jerry Jones would be bench pressing. I love it. Jerry, Jerry Jones going to be on that elliptical saying, hey, L.A., <laughs> Good day. <laughs> I love that, man. You know, man, talk about growing up in Long Beach. One thing I wanted to ask you that occurred to me, I was doing my radio show the other day and Kieran Achara, the basketball player was on, right? And I'd said to him, asked him, did you always want to be a basketball player? Did you know you were always going to be a basketball player? What age did that drop in? And as he was answering the question, I was thinking, J-Bell's on, on the show later on this week. I've got to ask him the same thing. So when, when did the light come on with football? I mean, you're an athlete, right? So you were playing a lot of sports. You're track and field star. What point did you realize I could make this, I could be a pro. I can make my life, build my life around football. I never knew that. And I think I loved playing the game. I just remember watching Barry Sanders run around. Um, I loved watching football on television. I loved basketball also, but I could not shoot. So I realized quickly <laughs> that wasn't for me. I was great at defense. Cool. I was like, and my passion was, was football, but I mm. never really thought about playing in the NFL. I mean, it was a dream. Of course, I loved the game, but I just wanted to be on the field. So I thought, I need to do whatever I have to do to get to the next level so I can continue playing. So I never really skipped steps. I I, I vividly remember this kid when I was in junior high school. So I'd have been around 13, 14. Mm. um, And and he was saying, I promise you I'm going to make it to the NFL. And we all love football, but I just remember thinking, I don't even really care about that. I just want to play in high school. You know, like it just never occurred to me until high school I mean, until college where I was like, I don't want to stop playing. So I got to go pro to keep playing. And you're getting a lot of attention as well, right? So that obviously kind of starts to swell it. When you're getting everybody telling you you can do it, then, okay, all right, I can do it. And the self-belief is there, but you're taking one step at a time. Uh, So with regards to track and field, because you were a track star, a speedster. 
So was that ever a decision you had to make, concentrate on one more than the other, or did you just roll with both? I was, I knew it was football because in track, you can be fast and I was fast, but I wasn't even the fastest in my league. I mean, we mm. had guys running 10 twos. I mean, they could fly. Mm. So uh, I was fast, but you know, to be a track athlete, to be the elite of the elite, you got to be the best in the world. Mm. And, and that's different. And I, I still love the, the team sport dynamic. That's what I love more than anything. I wasn't really in to the individual sports because I, you know, I just, didn't feel that camaraderie yeah. I felt with the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. What's you, hey, what'd you make of DK Metcalf doing the, you know, doing the track stuff? I mean, that's brave. And everyone's slagging him off for the time he got. It's like, do you realize how hard what he just Listen, did was? People are just talking to talk. I'm going to tell you what he did. He did, Matt, the ultimate flex. And this is why I say that. Mm. Now, I got to cover him this year, right? I'm a corner in the league. And I've seen the highlights of this dude running, what was it, a 10-3 he ran? 10-3, I think he ran, yeah. 10 you know, eight, 10 3 something like that, yeah. At that size. That's right. ridiculous. So in my head, I'm going, man, this dude can run a 10-3. Mm-hmm. That scares me as a corner. I am in, I, this is real. Not only is it real on the field, but he just put time to it. Yes. Now, that's the yeah. ultimate flex in the offseason. That's like being right. a lineman going in the weight room, putting a bunch of weight on and bench pressing and somebody recording and you can be like, man, I got to go against this dude. He's going to throw me all over the place. Yeah, that's what yeah. he did. So yeah, I, yeah. I like it for that. I love that. I hadn't considered that. The marker it lays down every quarter. Because it's the same thing. You know, get a, a really strong 40 at the combine. Like that, you carry that for years, right? It's like, okay, he's got a 4-2-4, you know. So you're right to, to, to roll that over I mean, it's a world-class time, whichever way you cut it. That is, and as you say, Metcalf is 280 pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's top-end speed, which is different, right? That's mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to separate from you. Once I get going, I don't care how quick you are, corner. I am going to pull away from you unless you run a 10-3 and not a lot of guys do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, okay, a lot of business to get into. Uh, let's start with the Julio Jones situation, right? And, and in particular, let's start with the the whole Shannon Sharp thing. So for listeners who, who didn't see this story, <laughs> Shannon Sharp, former NFL heavyweight, of course, these days does his show with Skip Bayless on a rival network to ESPN. So we've got to be diplomatic, j Bell. We're not, you know, you are costing any aspersions on I, that. I'm glad you told show. me that so I don't run out and say everything <laughs> yeah. and kill the whole show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> D- diplomacy is king. No, you say what you want about it because part of the contentious uh, issue here is that Sharp phoned Julio while they were live on air, right? So Shannon Sharp and, and Skip Bayless were live on air. And we don't think Julio knew he was on air. <laughs> we don't think he knew. He thought that Shannon Sharp was calling him. And the way he was reacting, the way he was talking, I'm out of there, man, was one of his quotes. It didn't feel like he knew he, he was, you know, he was live on air. And, you know, you're in the game, J-Bell, so you know it's kind of unconventional, right? You're the producer, someone working for the show. Obviously, you'll be teed up. You'll know you're going to be on there. You then get a call. Then you're, you're put through, right? So you can kind of sympathize with him if he thought he was just chatting to his mate and not, not <laughs> live across the world. What do you make of that? I mean, is that, was that a bit of a low blow? Well, you know, Shannon Sharp has a lot of love in the sports world, mm. uh, NFL, NBA, they call him uncle. And that's and when they call you uncle, that means a lot. That's a lot of respect um, coming mm. from the players. So he they will pick up his phone call is what right. I'm trying to say. Right. When he calls, yeah. 
I pick up, I respond, we'll have whatever chat you want to. But there's a trust factor there. Mm. And I don't know all the information, but it did feel like Julio. And I believe he said he was caught off guard, right? He ended up actually saying that. Yeah, right. Um, Retrospectively. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you have to be, when you have that kind of reach, people respond to you. Mm. You got to be careful because they have that openness and you can't violate that. Right. And I'm not saying he did or he didn't. I'm just saying you can't do it. Right. I know I don't have uh, the equity as far as relationships throughout all sports the way Shannon Sharp does. Uh, just I haven't been in the business long enough. Mm. But I do have a Rolodex. Yeah, but right. I'm not going to do that because it just it messes with that relationship. There's yeah. a little bit of like, hey, now, now you got to pick up the phone and be like, hey, are we good? You know, yes. what, what's going yeah, on? Now? And right. that's what's going to happen. You're cautious from now about on, it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you, you, it's a fair point, you know, because because like, like, I'm not suggesting Shannon Sharp knew he was stitching him up or anything like that. But obviously he, he if, if, if indeed it turns out that the show was, let's call him now. And obviously he hadn't given him a heads up that he was going to call him. Then there you might assume that Julio Jones knows Shannon Sharp is a national broadcaster, so he's probably on the show. But it's that element of doubt, as you say, and and it's risky. And I've seen him, look, Jay, but I've seen you up close and personal in action. I remember when we did, uh, you know, we've done hits and you've seen Nate, Nate Burleson and hey, Jay, but like everybody, you know, everybody, right? And so you can, same thing, right? You can pick up the phone and and make those calls. And and that is, and now you're as a broadcaster, I guess that is an important thing to to maintain, right? That, that element of trust. So, more importantly than any of that, what is a good landing spot for Julio? Where do you think, because he's going to go, it looks like by all accounts, and the Falcons need to shave a few dollars and cents off their, off their bill, right? To, to stay under the cap. So it looks like he's off. What's a good landing spot for him? Well, first of all, whoever wants to spend that money, right? They got to they take that contract over. And whoever is one receiver away from just an explosive offense. Mm. And then the last thing is familiarity, right? Who, who knows him, knows what he does well. So I, I think easily, I mean, say Kyle Shanahan got him back, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, 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 that's a mer- match made in heaven, right? right? That would work out. Think if he went to the Los Angeles Rams, mm-hmm. right? Matt Stafford now has Julio Jones and the rest of that receiving core. Love with that. Sean McVay. Oof, oh, that's, and, and you know they're willing to pay and and when they have a win now attitude mm. and the owner is all in on that. So mm. that could happen or New England, you know, I mean, <laughs> he, you imagine the Patriots having Julio Jones that right there completely changes their entire offense. So I like those three places. I know there's others and there's a lot of other factors to consider, mm. but I mean, I'm just thinking of immediate changes. If he got – my top two are the 49ers and the Rams. Those two teams, oh, man, it would change. It would be lights out for them. Love that. All three of those picks make sense for starters and and love them all. The Patriots, I mean, what they've been doing – we haven't chatted really for a little while. So in terms of their offseason, they've been amongst the most prolific, right? Free agency, they were throwing money around. Uh, The draft, they were – uh, not doing a typical Belichick move of just downplaying, rolling down into the deep waters and trading picks down to get more and more and accumulate more. They were spending their picks, right? So they're, they're back in it. They're back in it to win. So Julio, 
to them. I mean, I, th- I think that the Patriots are certainly back in playoff contention with the moves they've made already. They take Julio. I think they're, they are going to be neck and neck. I'm going to say it right now, neck and neck with the bills for the AFC East. If they get, if they get Julio. Wow. I mean, uh, yes. Well, first of all, New England is always going to think about defense because of their head coach. Right. And right. they got bigger up front. They're not going to get pushed around here. They're going to stop the run. Um, mm. And, and on offense, they're playing chess while everybody else is trying to run three wide receivers. They're going to get in two tight ends. They're going to do things you don't see week to week. Uh, you're going to have to prepare for them different than every other team. Mm. And if they get an elite number one receiver on the outside, like Julio Jones, I mean, you're thinking of a guy that Cam Newton would have trust in to throw the ball up there, those 50-50 balls, taking shots. It opens up everything the offense does. That's the thing you need to realize about Julio Jones, what he does. When you are an elite player, you take two defenders. Mm. That's what elite players do. You have to allocate two defenders 60 to 70% of the time to Julio Jones. That opens up the rest of your offense. Right. That is why he is so valuable. He doesn't even need to catch the ball. It's the threat mm. of putting him to the single receiver side and saying, you need to bring two people over here to stop him. That is Julio Jones's magic. It's a great point. You know, what he, what he brings, what he uplifts to the rest of the team just by his mere presence just because you got to take care you got to take care of him and everybody's winning on, on the offense if that's the case uh okay so julio looks like he's off dallas was another team that i'm hearing kind of rumblings i guess they're always a, a, you know attached but julio said he's not going to dallas <laughs> oh he's come out and is he said he's come out and said he doesn't want to go to dallas is that what well, he said? Did, didn't he say that on the phone when uh when shannon asked him something about dallas he's like oh no i don't want to go there Oh yeah, that's right. He did. That was one yeah. of the decisions. You're absolutely right. That's one of the decisions. Okay, so he's so, so, not going to Dallas then. <laughs> well, 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 you know what? It's not his choice. He doesn't mm. have in his contract. Uh, he doesn't have a no trade clause. So mm. it's it's on it's on them. They can send him wherever he wants. They want to. That is going to be awkward if he does end up in Dallas. That's going to be like Brockers golf awkward. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me. If anybody can make it all good, Jerry Jones can. Jerry will put bring him on the bus. <laughs> And say, hey, man, you're going to love it here. So uh, I'm not worried about that. Uh, Did you see staying with the Cowboys, Jalen Smith paying a lot of money to get his shirt number? So he was 54. He's taken nine. That's the number he wants. Six-figure sum for getting Mm -hmm. that. What do you make of all this, J-Bell, that players splashing out crazy amounts of cash for for? Now it's free reign, right? It's like any number yeah. you want is wide open. Are you, are you a little bit jealous of that, that you didn't play in the era where you could grab which number you wanted? Oh, that would have been so cool, especially if you're a rookie coming out now and mm. you could grab it without having uh, any ramifications of having to pay the money back. Uh, that was mm. Jalen Smith's number in college, I believe, at Notre Dame. Right. So he's going back to his college number. Obviously, there's sentimental value with that. And it's going to look fresh. Let's just be honest. Number nine, inside backer. He didn't play good last year. Let's be honest. This guy's got to bounce back. Mm. So you change the number, change the look. Maybe it changes the play, changes the outcome. He just got a deal. I think it was uh, the year before last. He's got the money. Go in, buy the jerseys, donate them all, have a good time. What do you think? Uh, I, I get the, the college connection in particular and, uh, and, and often high school kind of rolling through. So you attach yourself to a number and then you get to the pros and you can't have that because of the the regulation. So I understand that sentiment, sentimental argument and I get it. 
and and clearly that's why this seems to be quite a popular choice by the league to to change it up. But then there there's an opposite faction. Brady was pretty vocal, wasn't he, when they announced it, saying this is crazy, it's just going to confuse things. And I mean, Brady's been playing for 37 years, so <laughs> I mean, you can't <laughs> understand why he's used to a certain way of doing it. But do you, is there a validity in that argument? Do you, you understand where he's coming from? Do you think it is? Uh, it is something that might actually cause a bit more uh, chaos than perhaps is first perceived here in, t- in terms of shifting everything. It's going to make you think more, right? Uh, offensive line communication is key. You got those five people plus the running back or the tight end and the quarterback. They're always communicating with who they're going to block. Mm. And it's easy when you see an opposite number, an opposite jersey with an, an opposite number, you think, okay, that's a guy who's going to bring pressure with that number. Or he's a linebacker, he's a defensive lineman, or oh, that's a corner coming, or that's a safety coming. Yeah, that, that's very true. But remember, the rules every year change to help the offense. That's the way the league is. Yeah. Everything they do is to help the offense because we all love points. So this is something that doesn't necessarily help the defense it just makes the offense think a little more they're doing it in college they've always done it in college they've done it in high school they've done it on every other level so they'll adjust mm. it will be an adjustment that's true they've never had to worry about that you know things are going fast you're you're bringing people from all different angles and i do think the best defensive coordinators or court defensive coordinators are all good Mm. They will use that to their advantage. They will bring different number schemes and put them close to each other to make the offense identify who they're going to block. So it will be used advantageously, especially against rookie rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a great point. Really enough for them to think about anyway. So early, early few weeks of and we'll talk about the, the rookie draft class in a minute, quarterback draft class. That's going to be interesting to watch getting in their heads and also incidentally j spoken like a true defensive back when you when you said when you justified the the rationale for that where are we on adam vinatieri automatic adam vinatieri i mean that's a decent nickname if you're if you're a kicker and you're called automatic things are going well i mean he is of course one of the all-time greats in his position kickers don't get enough love quite frankly he's retiring walking away 47 years old i didn't realize i mean i know he's been around for a long time but incredible when you think about it he played for two decades in the NFL, extraordinary career. Uh, and of course, had a bit of time in NFL Europe back in the day as well. Yeah. And Vinatieri, uh, I think it might have even been in Amsterdam, which is the spot you want to land, right? If you're in yeah, I heard that's where you yeah. wanted to play. Yeah. <laughs> you see, he could choose. Unlike Julio, he could choose where he wanted to go. He chose Amsterdam. So Vinatieri's numbers, J-Bell, um, he is the all-time leader, of course, in points scored, 2,600 and 73 and that is above morton anderson number two who is a hall of famer so vinatieri is going to go to the hall isn't he you better get he's got his gold jacket jacket right now they already shipped (laughs) it to him he's good to go it's sized up and everything i mean you know he he was one thing about new england and bill belichick is belichick for the most part can find kickers Mm. he really can um he's all he's, he's had a good eye for kickers uh throughout his career and Adam Vinatieri, what he has done. I mean, how clutch is he? The biggest games, Super Bowls. And then what really I love about what he did is as he got older and he realized I'm still good, but I got to get out of this cold. I can't kick in New England. Right. I need to go into a dome. That was the smartest move he can make to continue his career and have success. And right. he did that. So 
Uh, not only was his play off the field magnificent, but his moves to move to another team was just tremendous uh, by extending his career. So, I mean, probably the best ever, you know, looks like yeah. he's the best ever. And, you know, he, I tell you what, he knows more players than anybody else. He's seen them all. <laughs> yeah. His Rolodex is twice as size. He's just on TV. Yeah. He's yeah. definitely getting people to pick up the phone. <laughs> he's going to, that's what he's, that's what he's surely thinking, right? Let's go. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, you know, it, it gets me thinking. I, I, I've always thought about this with kickers as far back as, as I can remember, because it's a position that's, that's fascinated me. When I fell in love with the game as a kid and, you know, being a, a, a kid, Growing up in England, so when I first discovered NFL, playing rugby myself, it was like, wait a minute, they bring these guys on just to kick? Like, that was a really curious thing, right? And then you start to deep dive a bit more and think, realize, well, they've had like, you know, uh, well, rugby players, soccer players that have converted to varying degrees, you know, of success in that position. And then as you deep dive and, and learn a bit more, you realize that kickers, they practice separately. They don't really, you know, and they realize that smack talk and that they're not most of the time anyway, they're not really one of the, one of the guys are the kickers get a tough ride. And, and I know there are exceptions to that and, and punt is a little bit different, you know, because a lot of the time, uh, if you think about what well, Johnny Hecker is a good, good example mm. and others that are serious units and, uh, and, and I guess have a, a, a command, a slightly different kind of respect, but kickers don't get love is what I'm long winded way of what I'm getting yeah. at. And I don't, I don't fully understand it. J bell. If you look at it and compare what's happened more recently with running backs, right. And, and draft capital for running backs. You say, well, the reason that dr- running backs are rarely drafted in the first round now, because there are so many good ones and they're easy to find and running backs, unless they're Zeke or Saquon, you don't need to pay them because you just find a new fresh one in a couple of years time. And, and I get that with kickers too, right. That there is the, the same sense that they are interchangeable and there are loads of them. And, but I still feel that despite that, given the impact a kicker can have on a game, on a season, on a Super Bowl, I think they're undervalued. You've played at the highest level around this. Is that something that you share as a, as a player that you think you're around it? Thinking, okay, I understand that all my teammates are, are, taking, are taking the mickey out of this player or <laughs> not, not in, you know, ingratiating him, but actually that isn't particularly fair or talk me through a player's perspective, a cornerback's perspective of a kicker. All right. I'll, I'll have to tell you a special teams player perspective mm, as a kicker. Fair. I spent a lot of time with kickers because mm. the kicking game was a part of what I did and I loved it. Uh, so I had great relationships with, especially the punter because we had to be on the same page, right. you know, with the same page was punt to my side so I can make the tackle. <laughs> so that, that, that was the yeah, same yeah. thing. End of story. End of book. <laughs> that, that, that was yeah. it, man. Let's, yeah. You, you yeah. punt it over here, your numbers will be good. But, mm. you know, the thing about kickers are is that they're not in the meeting rooms, right? They have their own meetings. They meet with a special teams coach. So we don't get all that time with them like players in our position right? They're not in the meetings as much where a lot of that bonding happens and goes on. They have a lot of times on their hand. They're doing weird stuff all the time. They're stretching. They're doing all kinds of stuff. They all don't get in an argument with a kick. They got time. They got time. (laughs) They got time. Don't don't talk politics. Don't do it. (laughs) They they got time. You're like, I gotta go to the meet, man. They want to keep you there. So, so um, if you're going to put, so if the Giants were putting in a pub quiz team 
back in the day, you would have who was your kicker back in the day when you were at the Giants? Was it Lawrence? It was Tice? Jay Feeling. Oh, Jay Feeling. Okay. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. He'd be on. Yeah, He'd Jay. be that. He'd be that team captain yeah. of the, of the yeah, Bob yeah. Okay. He's a good dude. Look at him. He's on TV now. Yeah, right? All the special teams analysis of the kickers. So he, he yeah, he's yeah. that guy. But yeah, you don't. You know, the one thing about kickers is this: if you're on a good team, you got a good kicker. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. You got a good kicker because you are going to have to win close games if you're a good team. The problem with kickers is when they're in their own head and things aren't going right, it's very difficult to fix. Mm. So they'll move on. They During the season, they just don't have time to fix it. Mm. You know, the better you are, the more time you have, the more rope you have. Yeah. But if you're a new guy, you got to go. Yeah. Because, the- you you know, because they don't have time to fix you during the season. And that that's what happens. That's why you see then move on from kickers quickly. Because they feel that their head's gone and they're not going to be able to turn it around mentally in time. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, they can't, they can't, not in the season. You mm. can't do it. You got a game next week. Mm. You know, if, if, if your kicker, obviously do the same person who's had success in the past, all of a sudden is in this slump and he can't get out of it. He or she can't get out of it. Then what do you do? You got to move on during the season. Yeah. And that's why the elite, kickers are the ones like Adam Vinatieri, like Robbie Gold, mm. uh, um, guys like that. Tucker, yeah, Be- just never Yeah, miss. like Tucker. Yeah, I mean, because I say Robbie Gold because he's my homeboy. Yeah. So I had to, you know, and I, I don't want to call him right now, by the way. I'm not going to do that. Gonna, <laughs> Let's gonna, get Robbie I'm Gold not, on the phone I'm now. not going to call Robbie Gold on the phone. <laughs> He'll be like, Jay Bill, what? <laughs> we used to golf together. Let's just be honest. Um, but, you know, you know, if, if, if you have one that's good and clutch, that's mm. why they're there. They do not want to worry about the kickers or the long snapper. Mm. Those are a position they want everything to always work out so they don't want to spend any time worrying about it so that's why they're so interchangeable yeah 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 that's a long snapper again going back to belichick and and his love of special teams like pretty much the only uh head coach or gm head coach that that drafts long snap that drafts long snappers (laughs) i love that of course every time i see a long snapper get drafted i'm so mad because i didn't get drafted i'm like come on man belichick come on (laughs) You could, y'all could have drafted me. Y'all gonna draft these long snappers, man. So anyway, I, I do. I do think sometimes that you know that that moment when you're in the NFL and you're a long snapper, and it's like, yeah, you know, and, and your kids are like, you know, other parents and like, yeah, my dad's an NFL player. So really, you know, which team do you play for? Oh, what position? I'm the long snapper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just gonna take the edge off a little bit. The good ones play 10 plus years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Without a blink of an eye. Making, so making, a, uh, making some back. Um, there it is. Speaking of which, Tim Tebow back in the league. Is it all a PR stunt? Do you think? And I don't mean by that a, a totally intentional <laughs> PR stunt, but the Jags are looking at thinking, well, let's roll the dice. And if it doesn't work out, we'll still sell 10,000 jerseys. So I think, Two, two things. When I look at this, is, is I approach it from two angles. First is Urban Meyer, new coach. You get somebody you really respect in the locker room, right? Uh, this is the culture. This is how we do things. Just somebody in there that's your guy. You do that with coaches. You do that with players. This is nothing new when new coaches get jobs. The second thing is it's, for, to me, it, it's genius, we are, we haven't stopped talking about Jacksonville. 
since right. the end of the season. Right. Trevor Lawrence, new head coach, Urban Meyer. They controlled the news cycle with that. Now Tim Tebow. We're talking about them. We have eyeballs on them. Right. That is what you want. Right. That is what you want as a business, as an organization. Look at me. Look at my product. Check me out. What's I, 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 I think it's genius yeah. because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a good point. And Jacksonville in particular, let's face it, much as we love them over here because they come over a lot and there's a big fan base over here, and there's always going to be an affection between us Brits and the Jags because of that. They're one of the smallest market teams in the NFL. They struggle to fill up, you know, to sell the stadium, which is why everyone keeps talking about the moving over here potentially, right? So yeah, I, I get it. Smart, smart business for sure. And I'm excited. I'm excited about the Jags this season. I mean, they're not gonna, uh, barring something extraordinary happening, they're not making the playoffs, but they're gonna be watchable. They're gonna be. You're gonna. You're gonna be every time the Jags are on. You're gonna be paying attention. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm really excited about them. I think they they are in a rebuilding process, which is perfect. And that's fine. I'm really excited to look at this new offense. I want to see what Urban Meyer has in store. I think we are going to see something that resembles the college game. Mm. And what I mean by that is you're going to see weapons used more than just positions. I think you're going to see, this is what you're going to see with uh, Travis Etienne, the running back they drafted, is positionless type of players, which is very confusing. Right. Mm -hmm. When I play defense and they put a personnel group on the field, they call a defense. We call a defense to defend that personnel group. You know, it's this guy, this number. He's going to be in this area. That tells me kind of what the play is going to be. But I can see them moving players around and doing things where I'm not going to have certain keys as a defender on what's going to happen or how I'm going to stop it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's genius. I think that's what the kind of offense they're building and they got the quarterback to do it. And they're going to put the playmakers around him that can do all kind of certain things. Uh, that's going to be hard to stop. That is fascinating to think about it that way. Actually, if you look at the evolution of the game, the pro game over the last five, seven years, right? Maybe I don't know whether Chip Kelly was the key protagonist, but maybe when you know he certainly kind of moved things forward and the onset of, of offensive changes that you just didn't expect to didn't expect to see in the pro game 15, 20 years ago, right? And and maybe otherwise the the, the next chapter in that book because i was wanting to get your take on that and you kind of answered it with that with with your previous answer but maybe if i can spin the next question more into the difference between coaching in college to nfl i mean outside of what you're putting on the field it's a different skill set isn't it in terms of college as a head coach you've got a very different relationship with the players you've got a very different relationship in the organization to the one you have as a, as a pro coach is it going to be difficult do you think for urban meyer so entrenched in that way of coaching for years albeit really successfully to to adjust that i'm not sure he'll struggle with that people say he will but i look at it like this i have friends who are college coaches and one of them he's a, he's a good college coach now but he, had, he was in high school before he went to college and he said he was having a lot of success recruiting. And I was like, what are you doing? Why is this happening? He was like, I understand these kids. I was just their coach in high school. Mm. Like, I know how to talk to them. So all of these players, he coached a lot of them in that age group already. Right, right. So he does understand the players. The problem is the difference in college is you can go recruit talent. That's the main thing. Get mm. talent out there. That's how you dominate. The NFL is talent. 
The NFL is about coaching. Coaching matters in the NFL because players are talented. There are some teams with more talent than others. But if you have a quarterback in this league, you have a chance. Mm. Now, how do you teach, prepare, and motivate your players? And not all coaching staffs are the same uh, within that. So it's all going to be about how does he present what he's trying to do, get players to buy in, and mm. it's got to work. They will believe in him in the beginning because it's worked in college, but they need a little bit of success mm. to show that, hey, this is going to work in We're the league. And, this, even, yeah. and if they're not winning, individual players need to feel like they're getting better. Mm. They need to feel like, you know what? I'm getting better as a player because he's teaching me, and that's the key. Yeah, that, and if you flip that back to Chip Kelly, right? Yeah, all the flashcards and everything, it looked great, but then when it wasn't really working, you're right, nobody was buying in, and, and that went south. If, as a player, you told me this before, the big difference between college and the pros is speed, right? That's the, that's the first thing you're like, well, okay, we're, <laughs> we're playing at a different level now. What's the big difference for a coach, if it's speed for a player, what would you say the big difference for a coach is? I would have to say, I would have to say sp speed is important for a coach because it shrinks the field. Mm. It, your play calling changes because it's more condensed and you're on the different hash mark, right? You know, in, in right. college, you're on the wider hash mark, which means you have a really wide side of the field, mm. but it's, everything's condensed. I mean, the, I'll give an example. The biggest thing college rookie quarterbacks struggle with is man-to-man -man coverage. Now, you think it'd be zone. You know, they would confuse them, but it's really man-to-man -man mm. because it is so tight. It's hard to get those throws in there. Right. It's faster. Remember, in college, you might have went against one good corner, two good corners, but that fourth corner, that third, unless you're playing against Alabama or something, it, it wasn't to the, that standard. You right. could find weaknesses easier purely by talent. Mm. You can't, that doesn't happen in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No weak links. That is, that is interesting. And I was watching, I've been re-watching quite a lot of the All or Nothings and the series, uh, the Rams series, Goff's rookie season, when Jeff Fisher gets fired mid-season. And that, those couple of episodes are, are so fascinating watching so many different things right the, the player's reaction the uh the the reaction from the coaching staff and Vassal gets the special teams coordinator gets the nod and just the the players clearly love him the coaches clearly love him but just that jump that realization that he's going from an important role to the main man and everything that entails and there was one bit when he's talking to uh to one of the one of the key guys in in terms of the rams uh, organization running through all of his different responsibilities outside of coaching the <laughs> coaching the game and you're like okay this is this is a whole different level and 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 that that is fascinating and i think maybe underestimate sometimes what a what a head coach has to do outside of the pressure in, in getting it right on the field we've got a mailbag j we're going to get into some great questions there <laughs> but before we do that though i want to get your take on the draft quickly and specifically the 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 five quarterbacks that went in the first round um, out of them, and let's maybe take Lawrence out of it, out of the other four, who are you most positive about in terms of, I guess, a combination of the players individually and their skill sets individually, plus the situation they've landed in? 
Ooh, okay. Nice. All right. With that, that little twist you threw on the end, <laughs> I'm going to say for me, when I look at a winning situation, right, for a quarterback in a team, Justin Fields mm. to Chicago. I mean, what I, I saw the uh, somebody say uh, Soldier Fields now or something nice. like that. You I know? love that. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah, like, love I mean, that. get the T-shirts made, man. Call Tom Brady's people. He knows how to trademark <laughs> stuff quickly. Um, Cause Soldier Fields. It's so simple. Yeah. you you. This is a team that made the playoffs with Mitchie T, right? Yeah. Trubisky. <laughs> you go out there. You got a great defense. You know, you 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 know, you got an offensive line that can hold up. You can make plays with your legs, mm-hmm. make things happen. I don't think you're going to start the season, you know, but when you get your chance, that's a good situation. It's good for Chicago's future. And then I look mm-hmm. at Zach Wilson, and I look at Zach Wilson because I heard he's looking really nice up there throwing the ball. But I just think that the Jets understand the mistakes they made with Sam Darnold. They are not going to do the same thing with Zach Wilson. They're going to try to protect him as much as possible. He had a lot of success at BYU being protected. Now, I think they protected him a lot because they knew he was a top draft pick and the coaching staff was like, we need to protect this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Because that's kind of a knock on him. It's like, oh, yeah, great protection. It's like, yeah, they looked out for him. You know, they wanted the guy to be (laughs) safe. Right. You know, but – um, I think I, I really like that situation for him. Uh, new staff, they really put a lot of emphasis on offense and building around that and giving him all the tools he needs to be successful. Mm. I don't know how fast he'll start, but I like what they can do and he can do there. And ultimately, I'm looking for young guys while they're learning the game to make those second reaction plays because they have to. They're going to have to move around on their, use their feet, threaten defenses uh, by their ability to run to open mm. things up. And he can do that. It's, I, I was thinking of the, the way that the draft played out and obviously all the hype and focus on the 49ers and who they were going to take and was well, it going to be Mac Jones? And that's a, that was a great thing for, for Zach Wilson, I think, because, and I know he's going into New York, so <laughs> this will change and there will be all eyes <laughs> on him eventually. But for a number two overall pick, he went very under the radar. And I, that, that's a good thing, right, J-Bell? You just want to let him get on with his business. Don't worry about all this. All the attention was elsewhere. Either Lawrence, he's a short thing, or what was going on below him. And he just kind of slipstreamed through. Easy, easy as you like. But you're right. That's nationally, not in New York. It's going to be the heat. The heat will be on. Mm-hmm. You have to be a special person to be the quarterback for a New York team. You have to have the demeanor where you are confident, you're relaxed, and you just don't get caught up in the waves of the media because it is, it's the media capital of the country in the U.S. So uh, you have to just be somebody and a player that you just don't worry about that stuff because they're gonna, it's going to be around. Everybody's going to be focused on him. He's going to have enough attention to worry about. One more before we get into the mailbag. Uh, 
because I promised we will do as many of your questions as we can. But I just we're talking Jared Goff. How do you think he's going to do in Detroit? And I was joking about the Brockers thing earlier because that's one of my favorite offseason stories. Uh, and I hope they they need to do some promo together, Brockers and Goff. Now there's the, that, yeah. that 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 was great. But it, uh, I guess it's because I'm watching All or Nothing again and his rookie season, and it came off the back of hard knocks when he got you know vilified really for not being the sharpest tool in, in, in the shed. And and I, I've always liked Goff. I've always felt he's uh, underrated. I don't think he is clearly at the level of some of his contemporaries and probably never will be. But do I think Goff can be a, a, a top tier quarterback for 10, 15 years in the league? Absolutely. I think he gets a bad press, J-Bell. But Detroit's a tough landing spot for him. So how do you think that's going to go? So I think this is a good place for him, and I'm just looking at the coaching staff. Anthony Lynn is now the offensive coordinator. Right. Dan Campbell, the head coach. My man, Aaron Glenn, is the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm rooting for Detroit this year. Mm. Uh, Aaron Glenn is uh, – the man taught me how to play corner. That being said, and that being said, maybe he didn't do a good job. Anyway, <laughs> let's go on to something else. Yeah, now that I thought about it, maybe he I can't give Aaron a lot he of – did a great job. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, did Aaron give me all the tricks? No, Aaron actually <laughs> taught me how to watch film. I, I went in there in the morning with him, and he taught me how to break down film and do everything. So, yes, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a great man. What I'm trying to say, though, for Jared Goff is this. Anthony Lynn is going to run the ball. That is what Anthony Lynn does. Mm. So what does Jared Goff do well? Play action pass. That's, that's, that's where he's at his best. Right. He, is, he, he, he struggles as a drop back quarterback. Right. And throwing the ball down the field. He's going to have to do that, but it will be because the run game is in full effect and things are opening up deep down the field. That's mm. going to be the key for Jared Goff. Dan Campbell's going to come in there and bring that tough guy. He's going to be a true CEO. He's going to bring the energy. Jared Goff is just going to have to be somebody who commands the offense, runs it, and takes opportunities when they're given. He is not – they're not looking at him to be the leader. Mm. I, I, I don't think so. He just needs to be a quarterback who can conduct that offense and make the plays that are designed to be made. And I think because they will be so run heavy that he's going to have opportunities to make those, you know, one, two read throws down the field off the play action pass. So if Urban Meyer is taking the NFL into, you know, the new era 2021 next generation, the Lions are going to go back to 93, (laughs) basically. But it works. But it works. I mean, if you can, I know all this stuff gets flashy and fancy. You need to run the ball. If you can run the ball, if I can't stop you running the ball, I can't win the game. Right. Period. Right. It gives you options. It's like a boxer with a good jab. Mm-hmm. I, I can that. do, I can set up every punch I want because I keep throwing that jab at you and you got to defend it. And I keep connecting. I might not knock you out, but you have to defend it. And then I catch you slipping with the overhand right. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I love that boxing analogy. J-Bell on fire. I love that. I'm really looking forward to, well, I've got to be careful how I say this because I don't want wish any team defeat and, and certainly not too controversially. But if the Lions were to lose a game controversially because of bad officiating, let's just say I'm, <laughs> I'm quite, quite looking forward to that press conference in the immediate, immediate aftermath. Dan Campbell is going to be box office. He's going to be box office. Come on. Come on. I, play, I played against that guy. He used to manhandle people. 
Did he you play? Ser- yeah. Oh yeah, he was a serious tight end, man. He was not a little dude either. So, no nonsense. Uh, no nah, nonsense. nah. He was he was body slamming dudes out there. So he's legit. <laughs> uh, okay, mailbag time. Uh, let's rattle through these. Mark Jones, uh, appreciated. Mark says, uh, Jay Bell and Nat's sleeper teams for the 2021 season are and why so who are our sleeper teams for the season i guess we've got to look at it maybe because sleepers a difficult one sometimes because maybe yeah. a, a dark horse super bowl contender right so not the chiefs but a dark horse contender and then a team that didn't make the playoffs that you think could make the playoffs this year cleveland's good Love cleveland them. is really good that and they that division is going to be tough, but Cleveland got better. Mm. They just got better, you know, and Baker Mayfield is going to be better. So, you know, Cleveland was right on the cuff. They could be that team. They, they really could. I, uh, I agree. Uh, Beckham's going to no doubt have a bounce back season. He stays fit. He's going to go off Eric and Beckham this season. Uh, I, I mean, offensively, they are stacked. The line's good. They've obviously <laughs> got, got, chaos defensively now as well i mean they just look at much slicker coaching baker shut up a lot of the critics I, I mean i'm big on the browns but you make a great point they are damned oh, the biggest obstacle is going to be that division because the Bengals will be better with burrow back i mean that's a arguably well certainly one of the toughest divisions in football right so that is not going to make it straightforward by any stretch but i'm big on the browns what about a team that you think didn't make the playoffs last year that has a decent shot of flipping that around because there was always one or two, right? Yeah. Now, am I losing my mind? Washington made the playoffs, right? Washington did make the playoffs. Yeah. 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 Well, that's my team still. It doesn't matter. And it's because, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I, I knew up. they made it. I, 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 I knew they made it, but I just wanted to find Sneak a way it. to wiggle in there. Yeah. Sneak well, it's because that defense is unbelievable mm. and it's led by that front, right? That defense line is dominant and and that is the quickest way to eliminate anybody's quarterback they drafted a linebacker and there's nobody better to coach a linebacker than their head coach who was a successful linebacker as we know in the nfl they get fitzpatrick somebody who can make enough plays on offense for them to be dangerous in a in a conference we know is up for grabs Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Grabs. Yeah. And I just think Washington has what it takes to get hot. I really do. And 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 you know, I, I don't I'm, I'm not a Washington fan at all, you know. You, I play for two other teams in that in that uh division. I, I like and actually full disclaimer here because Mark who sent us the original question Jay Bell suggested them as well. He went on to say, dare I say the Pats drafted well and picked up some useful free agent signings, as we said earlier. And it pains me to say it. It pains me to say it being a Miami Dolphins fan. And I think we're going to have a good season, incidentally, and more of that in a minute. But I think the Patriots, I think they are going to be bounce back time. They're making the playoffs. They're a dangerous commodity. And like we said earlier in the show, if they get Julio, oh, forget about it. They're, they're in the middle. Tough division, tough division. Oh, uh, Miami and the Bills. I the mean, and the Jets are going to yeah. be better. Yeah, yeah. That's and fair. the Jets will be better. So, yeah. Everyone's going nine and nine and seven or ten and seven in that. Got to get used to. We got to get yeah. used to this. I know. I'm, I'm not even going to try to mess around with yeah. that right now. I don't need that yeah. math. I'm on. I'm on seven year old math right now. That's what I do at home. <laughs> yeah. You know, which I, I butchered that the other day. I'm like, this is seven year old math. Why do I not know what I'm doing? This word oh. problem is confusing. 
the hardest so, thing as well you've got it you've got uh, you forget the the method you're taught as well right and you got it yeah, it's all yeah. about the method so it's the method jay about as a, as a as a fellow, coach as a fellow dad you must have pulled this trick where you're asked the question like say it's I mean, maths is, is harder because you got to remind yourself of the method. But say it's science for me was always a, always a problem. So I'm asked a question, and you just do that. Yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting one. Because, and you do what we do as broadcasters, which is buy shed loads of time, have the phone under the table, you type it away. Oh, actually, I'd say yes. I I would say it's um it carbon. I'd say carbon. Yes. <laughs> carbon. You know, you know what I do with my daughter now? Because it's all about research. You're teaching them how to research things. I was like, this is a great opportunity for us to research. Love Let's it. try to find it together. Together. Genius. I love that. We did together. Oh, it's not like when, when we were kids, though. Uh, all I mean, everything's on everything's online like we used to have to kind of dig it out of books and find it oh and, yeah you know, go to the those encyclopedias those encyclopedias yep. were real i mean yeah. that, that that's where the book report was <laughs> yeah. coming from yeah yeah the, the encyclopedia word for word <laughs> they know how easy they got it how easy they got it uh right here's the miami question actually colin's got in touch hey colin uh why are people already writing off tour when he's going to become the best quarterback from the 2020 draft, given time. Now, I love his confidence in Tua. And I'm guessing yeah. uh, Cole's a, 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 a Dolphins fan. I'm with him 100% on this craziness to his play. He's had a cup of coffee in the NFL and everybody's quick to write him off straight away. We need to give him much more time, don't we, j Absolutely. But this is what people do now. Fans, media, everybody in the NFL. A quarterback that comes in with all the hype especially we've been talking about them in college and they're going to come in and save the franchise. Uh, they expect that. They expect them to come in and have all the answers to the test. And we just talked about how hard it is to have the answers to the test, even when it's a seven-year-old. So you think these people can't, <laughs> they, they, these, these guys don't go in the NFL and just have it all figured out. It takes time. And especially when you evaluated a player like Tua and you looked at him and you saw what made him good. Uh, he's a rhythm passer. He got the ball out to playmakers quickly. He made quick decisions. This is why you have him. So if you're not and what this is what they're trying to build around him now, because right. this is going to show if he is everything they think he is. Now, quarterbacks don't have the time they used to have to develop. This is true. Uh, the patience has diminished. They need to show what they are in two to three years easily before they had more time. Not anymore. Not anymore. So he's going to have to show a significant jump this year and at least the things he did well in college. And it's on Miami to put those tools around him, and they have. Yep. And, and they're gonna, he's going to have to go out there and show uh, that he has improved, or they will make a decision next year on the future for Tua. I guess the Giants have done the same thing, right? There are no excuses now, the way they've armed, armed Danny Dimes. You know, it's, you got to get it. you got to show us. Um, all right, one for the road, Jay Bell. Jamie, how many games are the Texans winning this season? Oh man, yo, this is this hurts, man. I, I need to. I told my mom to send my Texans helmet too, so it's somehow going to exactly get here. Represent, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's coming because I, I I love the Texans. Uh, this is a rebuild for them. Mm. Period. Point blank. I don't know. Three games, maybe, maybe four. I'm not sure, but this is a rebuild year. I mean, they try to load the ro- – they just loaded the roster up with options. There, mm. there really isn't any significant uh, move that they made where you're like, wow, this is a mm. wow move. They're, they're just trying to get a capable team out there. They're having their issues uh, with Deshaun Watson. Once that's figured out, they can move on from that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not looking good. 
for the Texans. But let's hope with this new, uh, the new GM and the new staff that they can get on the same page and start to build out a better roster and a better team for the future. Yeah, I hope so, man. It's uh, it's incredible when you think that, what, 15, 16 months ago, they were, whatever their lead was, crazy lead against the Chiefs. That was like at 18, whatever it was, you know, a year and a half ago. And they uh, talk about complete capitulation. I mean, wow, a, a difficult time for Texans fans. We feel you out One there. thing I want to say about that is this is why you have a chain of command and you have a GM and a head coach and they operate differently. Because when you have a coach uh, that's making decisions on the here and now, mm-hmm. you don't really give yourself a chance to have flexibility in the future, especially you're trading away picks and doing all that kind of stuff. It's a great point. And, and, you, and, and you see, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to turn, you know, it's hard to turn an aircraft carrier around uh, when it's, when, when it's made a mistake and, that's what happens when you got all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, big time, big time. Uh, it's the it's the shadow of Belichick, right? You know, the, all those lieutenants, you know, want to do it the same way. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? Easier said than done. E- J Belt, an hour, an hour is rattled by with you. It always does, man. Always rattles by. It's too fun, man. We have too much fun. That's the problem. It's great to see you, bro. Um, you of course are rolling with the uh, OC uh, and J-Bell podcast that is available all good podcasters, right? So that is going, what, dropping episodes every week, right? You're getting prolific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of tr- there's a lot of things going on, so we have to adjust. But, yep, it's, we got one coming soon. So we'll be back in the feed with a little bit of that OC magic. Loving that. I'm looking forward to hearing that. It's great to see you come back, my friend, and see you soon. And in the meantime, good luck with those math tests. I, I expect yeah. <laughs> focus. I expect dedication with that, yeah? Uh, research i'll tell her nah it's just research daddy's got you love it i'm definitely (laughs) using that i'm loving it take care bud see you soon bro Uh, all right my friend lovely stuff from j bell he'll be back soon you can count on that so will we we're going to crank up the frequency upping the ante as we start to get that little bit closer to the 2021 nfl season so episodes will be dropping thick and fast over the coming weeks over the coming months getting you set gang don't forget all the crew over on social tom andy and co at the nc show facebook instagram twitter loads of stuff getting put out there videos from the shows extra bonus content as well lots of good stuff planned there too so go and give us a follow if you haven't already hope you enjoyed i am sure you did who doesn't enjoy j bell in the house we'll be back soon see you then gang Fellow baseball nuts, join us on the Johnny and Josh show with my baseball brothers where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend Eric Jansen will offer quirky baseball trivia, but we also have David Langell who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis. The Johnny and Josh show, available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Podcast Network.